This is Small Talk with 101 ESPN's Michelle Smallman. What's up, everybody? It's episode 143 of Small Talk. Steve Cerruti and Michelle Smallman are in the house. First off, we have to kick off this podcast with an apology. We missed the pod last week, a rare miss from us. But Steve, I think we just need to kind of manage the expectations of what this podcast is going to be moving forward. Life is getting back to normal. You and I both have full-time jobs. We don't have a producer. We don't have an editor. We don't have a video editor. We don't have a content manager. So sometimes life is going to get in the way and we're just going to have to miss an episode. And I hate to do that. We obviously don't intend to do that, but apologies to all the Shelleys that were in my DMs wondering where the pod was. We just... We had a lot going on. <laughs> We're two man band in it, really. I mean, and usually it's not hard to do it. We will find some time somewhere. Sometimes it'll be later in the week. That's why they come out on weekends sometimes. But both of us end of last week were just like, when are we going to find time to do this? You had a bunch of shit going on in your life. That was really cool. I just had a million, the Knicks in the playoffs because it's totally thrown me off because I do a New York show now. Um, oh, so yeah. we are just busy night after night after night talking about the Knicks and now they're out. So I have a little bit more time, but yeah, man, life happens, but it was, it was an eventful last week and I have a lot to talk about today. So I'm pretty pumped to be back on here. I mean, it was, I'm not saying that I want to miss shows, but my batteries are recharged and I feel like I've got so many things to get off my chest. I love that. And you know what I'm going to kind of do, Steve, is I think that I'm taking the, or I think we should take the. European restaurant approach with this podcast. You know, in America, you sit down, the waiter's there. What do you want to drink? Are you ready to order? Get in, get out. Very regimented. In Europe, it's, hey, sit down, relax. You're going to get it when you get it. And that's kind of what small talk is going to be, at least through the summer. (laughs) Like, you're going to get it when you're going to get it. All right. We're not in America. (laughs) We're we're European dinner al fresco. If you're telling me that this podcast is going to be more Euro, I'm 100% down for that. I mean, I'm Euro Steve. Let's go. I'm like a wannabe Euro. Well, Steve, I am trending Euro Michelle. And you know that I love Italy. You know I love a trip abroad. But I'm getting into F1 and I'm getting super into soccer. And I feel like my two main sports interests right now are soccer and F1. F1 is hot right now. A lot of people get in F1. I don't know much about it. I know Rosillo, a lot of people on Twitter, they watch the drive. What is it? Drive to survive drive for something on, on Netflix. Whatever it's called. It's on Netflix. And and it's amazing. I've been told a million times that I, that I, I should get into it. I just haven't really had the time. I keep saying, I don't think I'd be into it, but if people are like, trust me, you get, you'll get hooked by the characters and the people and the teams that are involved. I know all these people that I'd be like, you're waking up at five in the morning to watch an F1 race. Like that would have never come. I would have never thought that about someone. And yet here are people all over Twitter being like, this is my thing. Now I'm team Mercedes or I'm team McLaren or I'm team whatever. And it's cool. We're slowly trending towards a more Euro society. What's up? We are, we're going full Euro on this podcast quickly. You have got to watch it. So a couple of weeks ago, I was in Chicago and I was staying with my friend Quincy and she and her husband are super into it. And I was like, how are you guys into F1? And they're like, the show, you've got to watch the show. So they actually made me sit down and we watched a couple episodes together and I was immediately hooked. I'm not completely done yet because we have been very busy, but I've binged a lot of it. And unless something dramatic happens in the next few episodes that I watch, I have already determined what my alliances are. And I have a driver that I'm into and a team that I'm into because you can cheer for a person and a team, if that makes sense. Yeah. So who's Lewis Hamilton? I know is the guy. Is he Mercedes? What is he? Yes, he's Mercedes. And he's He's like like the Michael Jordan of F1. But everybody says... If I had his car, I would be him. I would be the number one guy if I was in the Mercedes car. It's just the vehicle yeah. is the star, not Lewis Hamilton. Well, that's he like saying, like you know, if I had LeBron James's talent, I'd be the best player ever. Like, yeah, maybe. Right. I don't know. You'd probably be good, but would you be the best? I don't know. Maybe. 
But Maybe. it's easy to say that when you're actually not put in the work. I think it's a little different though, when you have a full team constructing mm-hmm. something around you and it really like a lot of your success is determined on whether they can get their jobs done or not. Like in the very first episode, Haas, which is an American team that's an F1, they had their best seating ever and they go to race day and they're killing it. They're ready to place as high as they've ever placed. And then they go to pit and someone doesn't secure the wheel on not one, but two guys and they mm, can't finish the race. That would be a so bummer. That is a major bummer. Listen, I felt so badly for the pit guy, Steve. Who So the wheel just fell off? Well, it just wasn't secure enough, so he couldn't go fast. And so he had to pull over because it was not safe. And then the guy was like, I am devastated. I am so sorry. Obviously, it was a new pit, Steve, new pit. Chemistry wasn't there. Mm. And I think it's a little different because in a lot of other sports, like LeBron, yes, his teammates determine his success, but he can take over a game, right? I think in racing, sometimes a lot of factors are out of their control. Maybe it's more like football then where, yeah, Aaron Rodgers is great, although he may be a dick, but you know, some <laughs> all, sometimes great people are dicks. That's how, that's how the world works. Sometimes breaking that's news right. there. Um, they can be dicks too, which is how it works out. I don't know. If you're good at something, you could be a dick, but Aaron Rodgers I'm by himself to... isn't winning the Super Bowl. You know, he needs a good team around him or else it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, that's like there right. are no quarterbacks who can overcome shitty teams. And like, I'm assuming, assuming there's no F1 driver that can overcome a guy forgetting to put the wheel on. It's probably a big fact. Also question, this is a chicken or the egg type situation. Do you need to be a dick to have success sometimes? Because I think the more that we dive into great leaders and great businessmen and women and great athletes, male, female, whomever, a lot of them have a little bit of a dick edge to them. Mm -hmm. And I sometimes wonder if you need to be a dick to get to the top. There's some people who are notoriously nice, but I think they're kind of few and far between though. I think there is a quality for a lot of successful people where it's this is varying degrees and percentages of what they're actually like, but you have to be selfish. You just have to be, you have to be cutthroat. And the, what do they say? All is well that ends well. Like I'm sure on the way up, you know, there's people that you've had to beat, slight, lie to whatever, cheat to get to the top. And that just, to me, that just is life. That's part of what it's like to be there. Now, do I think some people are nicer than others? For sure. Do I think Aaron Rodgers, if he wasn't a football player, would still be a dick? Probably. Just, it's just <laughs> I think that's just his personality. I could be a dick sometimes. You know, it's, it's almost like the, not the know-it-all thing, but sometimes you think you're you're just too cool for school. I, I'll admit that I have that quality sometimes. It is what it is. But um, I do think in successful people, you kind of have, especially in sports, I think you have to kind of yeah. be a dick asshole. You know, if you're competing against other people, other guys, other women, you can't care about other people's feelings. You want them to lose. And I, so I think that's a quality you absolutely have to have if you're a, an elite athlete. So I think Brady's a dick. No, but I don't know. I don't know. He's very cutthroat. He will win at all costs. Yeah. He's very driven, determined. Um, I'm sure, you know, in that, in the, if you've ever watched, uh, what is it? The Tom Brady doc, a Tom versus time Giselle mm-hmm. talks about their family has to make sacrifices for him, for his lifestyle. And I think he's appreciative of that. He talks about it. But at the end of the day, he's like, I'm putting football first during these months of the year. Sorry, it's the way it is. And I don't think everybody could do that. Like, I'm going to do me. Yeah. Yep. Well, then, Steve, another question for you. Does that mean that the U.S. men's national team are dicks because they're at the top? Okay. We're back. We're back. (laughs) Let's go. Cannot wait I can't believe it took this to long about this. I am so furious. I had a big weekend, fell asleep early last night. I think I, mean, I fell asleep I mean. shortly after the U.S. Uh, had the equalizer 1-1. And I woke up this morning and was like, I think I missed the game of the century. For everyone that says soccer is boring or they dive around too much or they're not interested. And listen, every soccer game is not last night. Last night was fucking insane. 
for a million <laughs> different reasons on the pitch, off the pitch, the fans, the fighting on the field, VAR decisions, uh, full Bud Lights being thrown on the field, the stakes, USA versus Mexico. I mean, that game literally had everything you could want in a game. And it ended, you know, it ended 3-2 after a penalty from Pulisic, I didn't even know. I had people texting me this morning being like, holy shit, is this what soccer's actually like? And I'm like, yes <laughs> and no. You know, we do have the Euro coming up, which is going to be exciting. I'm going to be locked in starting Friday. Italy plays uh, Turkey in the first game. So what's up? Speaking of Euro. On Diablo. Uh, yeah, let's go. Um, Italy, dark horse. They're flying under the radar. Haven't lost in like two years. Things are going well, but no one's talking about them. That's where we want to be. But love anyway, it, it. last night, I mean, do you want me to just go through what happened? Because yes, there are please. so many stupid events that took place in this game. Uh, so I'll, I'll just kind of go through it. Obviously, USA-Mexico is one of the biggest rivalries in of international teams, really, in, in the world, probably. Definitely in North America, for sure. Uh, Mexico is... Oh, go ahead. Question. Can I just interject with yeah. questions as we go? Uh, yeah, please. Um, obviously, geographic rivalry. But for mm -hmm. those who might not know, there's some bad blood there. And there's been a mm -hmm. lot of um, intense moments between those two teams prior, right? It's not just a geographic rivalry. It is, but also they're just the two best teams in CONCACAF, which is basically the North America, Canada, and all like the sort of Central American countries. That's, you know, plays in CONCACAF. Uh, and the USA and, and Mexico are the two best teams. Mexico okay. is actually typically better than the US. Uh, but we have this sort of new influx of Young players, Kristen Pulisic, Gio Reyna, uh, Weston McKinney Hall played huge roles last night. And this was kind of their first test. And this was also the first trophy that I believe they could win as a group. And this was, it's sort of a meaningless trophy. It's the CONCACAF Nations League. It's a made up tournament. All of the different uh, continents of soccer organizations like UEFA has uh, the UEFA Nations League, right? Um, I'm sure in Conambol, which is the South American one, they have one as well. Asia has one, whatever. Uh, this was sort of the CONCACAF United States, Mexico version of that. The trophy, this was the first ever time the trophy has been given out. It's a completely meaningless tournament, but it's a chance to win a trophy and it's a chance to beat your rival in a game that actually, you know, has some, that all the good players are playing and, and means something uh, to the fans and the players. So, I mean, it was in Denver too. So the games, the games often are in the U S just because it's just easier to logistically. Mm -hmm. um, but there are a lot of Mexico fans that travel to the U S I mean, I would argue there might've been more Mexico fans there last night than us fans, Mexican fans travel like crazy, which sucks because if that game's played in New York or Miami, for sure. That's not a home game for the United States. It may be in the United States, but it's not a home game. Denver was probably 50, 50. So that was at least fun. But uh, Mexican fans are notorious for, they're not a great fan group. And when I say that they're passionate, but they do a lot of shitty things. Um, we've seen a lot of the NBA stuff with, you know, obviously the water bottle getting thrown at Kyrie Irving or what was it? Russell Westbrook gets the popcorn dumped on him. Trey Young obviously was spat on, which is absurd. Uh, mm -hmm. Last night put a lot of that stuff to shame. I mean, there was some really shameful stuff that happened last night from a lot of the Mexican fans that just is absolutely ridiculous. But I'll get to that in just a second. I'll go through the timeline okay. of events. On. So games in Denver, chance to win a trophy. What's up? U.S. first or second minute give away the goal by passing it directly to Mexico and then bang gold two minutes in you're down one nothing. And as I said, Mexico is typically a better team. So you're not trying to give Mexico any goals because they don't need any help to beat the U S as it is. So it was a terrible, terrible start. And you're sitting there going, here we go again, because Mexico has 100% had our number for a couple of years now. Um, really ever since sort of the whole world cup debacle, which we hopefully put behind now. So not a great start down one, nothing. And then I think it was, I don't know exactly like the minutes on this, probably like 20 or so minutes later, Mexico scores another goal, a header goal. And 
their guy was going to go was just, just offside. So that comes back on a bar decision. If U.S. goes down 2 nothing, there, the game's over. They're not coming back, period. The mental hurdle was already there. Mexico probably would have closed up shop, and it would have been a, another disappointing loss for the U.S. But by millimeters, this guy's offsides, and the goal, the goal gets called back. It's still 1-0. Uh, and then a couple of minutes later, we get the equalizer from Gio Reyna, who mm-hmm. his dad played for the men's national team. His mom played for the women's national team. U.S. soccer through and through in this guy's blood. He plays for BVB, which is the second best team in Germany. He's one of the best young players in the world. And this was really his first, I, I believe, a competitive action with the U.S. He became cup tied in that game. He scores, ball hit the post. He uh, gets the rebound, 1-1, game on. And then from there, I thought the U.S. played really, really well. But then throughout the course of this game, you know, you had – the Mexico fans who were chanting the homophobic, it was, it is a homophobic slur, uh, which they are known for. Like this is a decades. I mean, going back, they've used this slur. They chanted at the goalkeepers. They chanted at other players. I saw Christian Pulisic looking at the crowd, literally being like, what the hell are you guys doing? Like, this is absurd. So they stopped the game and almost postponed it, which is good. They should do that. And they should really sanction the Mexican team, unfortunately, because there's no other way to stop this other than taking stuff away from the team. The fans don't care. There's no repercussions for them. What are they going to get kicked out? Sure. You can't discipline an entire sort of uh, fan base, really. So you have to discipline the team. So I'm interested to see how that goes in the future. But so you had that. You had a stoppage in play. You had during the game full bottles of Bud Light being thrown on the pitch, being thrown at people. Um, I saw a player got hit in the head with Gio Reyna like- got hit in the head. Uh, a Mexican player got hit in the head with some friendly fire. I mean, it was absolutely insane. Like, again, we talk about some of the craziness, like I, that didn't leave first take this morning, but it actually probably should have. If you were that worked up about popcorn, but getting dumped on Russell Westbrook, try getting a full Bud Light thrown at your head during a game. That's, I mean, and I, by it, the way, thrown at our country. Thrown yeah. At our, yeah, exactly. You're exactly. disrespecting America. But again, there was some friendly fire. The Mexican fans hit a Mexican player right in the face with a full, uh, with a full bottle. I'm sure there were, it wasn't just Mexican fans, but I would argue that they are a much bigger problem at some of these games than the U S fans. But anyway, so Later in the game, I think it was like 80, 80th minute or so, Mexico scores to go up 2-1, which was absolutely deflating. You kind of feel like game's over there. There's only 10 minutes left. Here we go again. U.S. is screwed. And then only a couple minutes later, we get Weston McKenney who scores a goal, which a header goal. He is unbelievable. He plays for Juventus too, which is they're the best team in Italy. Again, there's a theme here of all these U.S. players playing for huge clubs. Like he's a big freaking deal. Scores a massive goal for the United States. Game goes into extra time. Go ahead. You got another question? Does the fact that they're playing for these big clubs give them the seasoning needed to become the power that we hope they'll be? It does, but there was there's kind of been this knock that a lot of these players play for these big clubs and they've won all these trophies. Like Christian Pulisic just won the Champions League, right, with Chelsea. Yeah, Weston McKennie's won a couple trophies with Juventus. Uh, Gio Reyna's won trophies with BVB. All, there's a bunch of guys on the team that have won uh, that have won different things, but they hadn't really necessarily done it for the U.S. So that was the knock is that all, we have all these great players, but they don't really necessarily play that way for the states yet. But they're all still young and they haven't really mm-hmm. played a lot together. They, you know, a lot of these guys are 23 and younger. Um, some of them are in their teens still. So it's going to be a process, obviously. And uh, and then we're kind of getting there. But I'll take another step back, too, is Zach Steffen, the goalkeeper. He ends up hurting his knee, I think, before the second goal was scored. And he's good. He plays for Manchester City. They just won the Premier League. Again, he's the backup keeper for City. Another guy who's winning trophies in Europe. He gets hurt. Ethan Horvath comes in, who's the backup, who plays for this club in Belgium, I want to say. Imagine coming cold off the bench in this massive game against Mexico. You haven't warmed up at all. You're taking off your warmups and you're just thrown into the action all of a sudden and stuff happens. And he ends up playing incredibly well. I'll get to that just in a little bit later. But Christian Pulisic ends up getting a penalty, puts the U.S. up 3-2 really for the end of the game. And we're thinking, oh, my God, we have this thing won. It's amazing. The U.S. is going to win the trophy. It's awesome. Things are going really well. And then we give up a penalty. Was not a great penalty. It was probably 
it was a handball, but it wasn't an intentional handball. So it probably shouldn't have been called, but it was. So here we are having to save this penalty to preserve the game, right? Or else it's going to PKs, which in PKs is a total wild card. You don't want to go to PKs. And Horvath, who comes cold off the bench, saves the penalty for the United States, stops Mexico. And I mean, it was just, it, I literally screamed on my, I was screaming because it was, it's so unlikely, especially from this guy who, again, comes off the bench. It was unbelievable. And the U.S. ends up winning 3-2, winning their first trophy while they're getting peppered with different things, you know, different bottles and stuff on the pitch. Uh, different slurs are being thrown at them. And it was an intense atmosphere. I'm sure those guys were super hyped up. There were fights on the field with the Mexican players. The whole thing that. was absolutely insane. But moral of the story is we won our first trophy in this sort of new era of U.S. soccer. And as I said, people like you, people, I had random people texting me who I know. Scott Van Pelt texted me literally last night being like, Diablos, dude, this game is insane. And people who are not genuine soccer fans are, I think, really kind of getting behind this team. And especially like you win a trophy, you win something. That's what people care about, especially in America, right? We support winners. And if you're not winning, then you're going to get left behind. So this was an incredible start for the team. And honestly, I think it's just a sign of things to come for the World Cup next summer and then another World Cup here in the States in five years. Well, look at the women's national team. America always rides behind them because they Mm -hmm. win, because they're the premier team. Yeah, they're dominant standard and so I think the men's team they've kind of fallen behind in so many ways you know when you have the women going out there and killing it you gotta step up so hopefully this is their moment and they're building towards finally because how many times Steve have we said no soccer is gonna explode in America you just wait like soccer is gonna explode (laughs) you're quoting me yeah I'm literally quoting you at Steve Cerruti but I feel like we've been saying that since we were kids since I was playing soccer Mm -hmm. it was like soccer is the future watch out football soccer is coming for you Football is coming for football and it just has never materialized, but you're right. It's going to take this team winning and this team being young and vibrant and entertaining. And it seems like that game last night was a huge step in the right direction. There were games with bigger stakes. I mean, 2010, the goal against Algeria in the world cup. I mean, obviously, you know, they won that game and were able to move on in the tournament. It's a bigger game. Was that Clint Dempsey? That was Landon Donovan. That was Landon Landon Donovan. Donovan. That's right. Yep. I remember that. That was right when I graduated from college and really when I started really getting into soccer, that game was absolutely phenomenal. And again, it's moments like that that get you into the sport. That's why we need things like what happened last night, because it'll be like, oh, all right, I'll start following this team now because cool shit happens when the U.S. plays. Let's go. There have been bigger games or maybe been, I don't know about wilder games, certainly with the fans. But if you take everything into consideration, that game had everything you would possibly want. It had bar decisions. It had people throwing, you know, people getting fights on the field, multiple goals, penalties, guys getting hurt. Uh, the fan interaction. I mean, it literally had everything you could possibly want. So if you didn't like that and you watch soccer, I guess there's no hope for you. Okay. So Saruti had an unbelievable soccer game. He's riding high on that. And we had a song debut, we did. John Mayer and Marin Morris. So I love that your identifier is like soccer guy. And so the U.S. has this amazing game last night and everyone's texting Saruti. They're like, what's happening with Saruti? We got to check in on him. When John Mayer drops a song, I can't even imagine how many texts or tweets you got because I'm getting texts being like, hey, did you see there's a new John Mayer song and it has Marin Morris in it? Like, is Saruti okay? <laughs> yeah, I and I appreciate that. It did. It made my week uh, and I was excited. <laughs> Maybe I'm going to throw a little, I'm going to be a little bit of a downer here just for a second. I don't love the song, right? It's. I think it's kind of generic. It is what it is. And I feel like as a Mayer fan, I'm an unbiased John Mayer fan. I'll tell you when I don't think something's good. I think he has mostly great songs, but I'll tell you when I don't think something's great. I thought it was a little bit generic. I wish there was a little bit more Marin Morris in it. She's kind of only at the end of the song. And it has kind of this like weird 80s vibe to it um, that I don't necessarily love. Why have Marin Morris on the song if you're only going to have her kick in in like the last 20 seconds? Do you remember, uh, what's the song? Half of My Heart. 
which was on yes. an album a couple with, with Taylor Swift. It's the same deal. He kind of only had Taylor sing backup vocals at the end of the song. And it kind of leaves you wanting more of that other person, especially Marin Morris. But as much as I didn't love the song, it got me thinking. I don't think there is a duo that I want a full album more than a John Mayer, Marin Morris full album collab with like 15 songs on it. If you could give me, hey, any artist, two artists in the world, pair them together mm-hmm. to make an album. I think that might be my number one slot. The only thing that's come close, Michelle, was Drake and Future when they did uh, their album. What was that? Five, 10, almost. Yeah, probably five, 10 years ago. This would be right now. I need a full album from those two. I'm, I'm sorry. I just do. Okay, I have three things to say here. Number one, I'm with you. I did not like the song. I thought it sounded like the intro to a full house spinoff. Yeah, it's corny. And I hate to say that, but again, I'm I'm being a non-biased John Mayer fan. I just think it's not his best job. Sorry. Two other full album collabs I want. I want Drake and Rihanna because every time oh. they've teamed up, they've been fire. Unbelievable. And if I'm pairing Marin Morris with anybody for a full album, give me Chris Stapleton. See, they're too similar. Not that I wouldn't listen to it, but I like the crossovers of genres. Like you've got John Mayer, who's bluesy, kind of pop, right? And then you've got Marin Morris, who's country pop. pop. I think the two of them sort of make this interesting. Chris Stapleton is kind of country pop, right? Right? Marin Morris, oh, he's not country pop. pop. Stapleton uh, is not country pop. I mean, Tennessee whiskey. Th- he's got some that pop is not songs country pop. That he's... is like a deep southern country. No, love Sergio song. Simpson is more deep southern weirdness than Tennessee I think. Whiskey is not a pop song. It's kind of a pop song. It kind of is. As someone who tries to be different, I'm, I'm telling you, it's not your traditional pop song, but it's become poppy. It's country pop. Like, I don't know if it's going to be a, a chart topper on the pop charts or anything like that, but it has some pop elements to it, if we're really being honest. Now, there are some Stapleton deep tracks, like Outlaw State of Mind, which is my favorite song by him. That is a badass mofo and country song, and I love it. <laughs> Absolutely love it. But Tennessee Whiskey, some of those other ones, they're a little poppy, and that's okay to admit. But I just think he and Marin are too similar. You need, you need to cross over genres. No way. I couldn't disagree more. I think that they would be unbelievable together. Think about the soul. They would like come in your body like Voldemort and extract your soul. You know what I mean? They would steal your soul out of your body if the two of them were together. You'd be a soulless zombie walking around being like, well, it was a good run. I would love it. I'm not telling you I wouldn't love it. I'm just telling you, I think I want a melting of two genres. I'm surprised you didn't say Frank Ocean and TBD. You know, Frank has done collabs. Obviously he was an odd future, but I like Frank Solo. He's okay. just such an artist with such a specific vision. Uh, you know, he's done stuff with Jay-Z and Kanye. He can collab, don't get me wrong, but I want a new full solo Frank album before I need any sort of collab with him. Okay, fair, fair, yeah. Imagine a Frank Ocean, Marin Morris collab. See, that's something I would want to hear. I like the fusion of different that. things. I just think that would be really cool. Maybe not a full album, just give me a couple songs, like an EP. I just don't know if it works. You know, those two, I love them both. Into, you know, this, this is like when you try to set your friends up on a date. I don't know if you've ever done this before. I've done it before I'd and stay it failed. Out of it. Yeah. Where I, yeah, of course you stay out of it. Never I'm a good like, idea. You're great and you're great. You guys should meet. And it never, ever, ever works or it rarely works. And, and you're on the hook. Nikki, our matchmaker from the Bevy told us that just because this person is great and this person is great does not mean they're going to be great together. And that's kind of how I feel about Frank and Marin. Great, great, great together. I don't know. It would definitely be a wild card and it might not work, but I would want to listen to that because I'd be very intrigued. Taylor Swift and Bonnie Bear never really thought that those two would go, but they went. Mm-hmm. Great example. So let me think of like somebody who is in one 
I could see though, she's a little folksy and they do have crossover. If we're going Drake and Marin Morris, that is two people who are t- on totally opposite ends of the spectrum. Don't think it could work. Yeah. That's, right. There's no there similarity. some there. similarity in there. Even though I think both of them are pop E, but they're just, they're two different pop. Different two, yeah, exactly. Although again, if they came out with a song, you best believe that thing would be bumped. I don't even, even if it was bad, I would listen to it like a hundred times. You know who I think he's just very versatile and you could probably collab with him on almost any level with any genre. And you're going to laugh when I say this, but I think it's Justin Bieber. Justin oh, yeah. Bieber versatile. has such a versatile voice and a versatile style of singing that I truly think you guys are on a country album. Obviously you could do pop. He does soul. He's R&B. He's done techno. I mean, is Justin Bieber the five tool player in music right now? I think you could make anyone into an EDM star. I really believe that. Did you know that Ronnie from the Jersey Shore was on, I think it was an Avicii song. You could literally take <laughs> anyone. Hold on, I gotta look this up because it's 100% Stop true. Stop it. Yeah, here, vamp for me because this is 100% true. I need you to look it up. Wow. Well, all you have to do is say something and then they'll auto-tune it and throw a sick beat behind it. You don't really need a lot of skill to be on an EDM track musically with your voice. Obviously, there's a lot of production that goes into it, but listen, Steve, I watched The Housewives and this woman, Kim Zolciak, who cannot sing a lick Candy Burris, who is a very talented artist who she wrote No Scrubs. She came up with the song Tardy for the Party and auto-tuned the shit out of it. It became a bop. So I am convinced that you could make anyone a star. I think it is David Guetta, Memories. I think that is the song. And what did he do on it? He's the guy that says it. Or that, that's Ronnie? talking. Yeah. Cabs are here? Cabs are here, Ronnie. You know, Sam? one punch, Ronnie. Yep, Sammy Sweetheart, Ronnie. By the way, there's a reunion show coming. I love how we're so old now that we are being targeted for reunion shows. That's how you know you're old, by the way. Yeah, we don't need to get into more reasons why we're old. We've already addressed that last week or two weeks ago, I guess. Interesting. We're going to have to dive into that. But Ronnie, slashy, who knew? Here I thought he was just a bad guy who was once on reality TV. I say that to say I think anyone can be turned into an EDM star. Uh, so I'm not going to give Bieber credit for that, but I will give Bieber credit for a lot of other, he crosses over some stuff. There's a, there's Bieber songs where you're like, oh, interesting. Harry Styles is a guy I'd like to oh, see do some, I love Harry. do some mashups. Yeah. Um, maybe not full albums, but just experiment a little bit because his album was sneaky great. When you could do a leap of Harry Styles thing. Yeah. How has that not happened already? Yeah. Your biggest stars. In Seems like a no brainer. No brainer. Steve, I have such a thing for Harry Styles. And by that, I don't even mean a crush on him. I just think he can do no wrong. I think there is no one out there that is cooler than Harry Styles right now. He can pull off any look. That's a good question. Look at his fashion choices that he's, he's such a risk taker. He did what Justin Timberlake did on such a bigger scale where he broke out and had an amazing solo career but he's done it in a very cool and fashionable way. And I know back in the day when Justin did the fedora and the dancing, it was cool. But the way Harry Styles has done it, he took more risk. And that I appreciate. You know what's funny is maybe I'm being a dick here, speaking of the trend that we're talking about, being dicks, but I don't think Justin Timberlake's that cool anymore. No, now he's not. Um, He was back in the day. But but there are guys who, like Bruce Springsteen will always be cool, right? No matter what he does. I'm not a Bruce guy, but he's, he's eternally cool. Period. Pat Riley, eternally cool. Never going to not be cool. You don't think Harry Styles is going to end up being more Timberlake though? Well, hold on. Pat Riley and Bruce Springsteen, both eternally cool because they both have a cemented aesthetic. Like Pat Riley is like 
Miami through and through. Right? Mm-hmm. He's got Slick the look. Hair. He yep. does not deviate from that. He's not wearing a Canadian tuxedo. You don't see Pat Riley going jean on jean. It's not going to happen. <laughs> You know what that I mean? would be a sight. I would like to see that. That's, Speaking that of collabs that we need, we need Pat Riley in a Canadian tuxedo. <laughs> you know what I need? I need Bruce Springsteen to dress as Pat Riley and Pat Riley to dress as Bruce Springsteen. That's but what I need. My point, a though, is swap. I Bruce feel like, is like Harry is more Justin in that he's taking these chances that will look weird in like 20 years. Whereas Pat, I don't know if he's eternally cool. I think he's cool in the moment. Hmm. Well... I think history will look down on Harry Styles favorably because he's pushing a lot of boundaries as far as the expectations of gender roles. You know, he's Bowie he's, kind of did that. He's he's like yes. got a little Bowie. Yeah. Yes. Yep. He's got a little he's poppy but fashionable, but he's got a little punk in there. I don't know. I just think there's no one on planet Earth right now cooler than Harry Styles. I wouldn't yeah. argue with that. I was just trying to rack my brain. I don't I can't name somebody who I'd be like, damn, that dude is significantly cooler i mean you know i love tom hardy but he's not he's not in that vibe he's more like tough guy mysterious than he is trendy cool kind of sneaky hot harry styles if you want to go harry styles i will not argue with you on that i think he 100 is i heard on the street that harry styles might be coming out with a makeup line for men or some sort of beauty line and i think he's the guy that can pull it off do i need to start wearing makeup a rod's trying to do that with the concealer well that's because i feel like that's the j-lo influence though although no longer now that she's back with Ben, right? Is that Are you team Benifer? Are you into that? I'm team no one. I'm team just get out of my life. Although it's not like I'm reading a bunch of things about the breakup and how he's back with Jen. I just see them kind of around on different things. I don't really yes. know what's going on. Are they actually hanging out now again? Then they go on vacation together or something? Sources have said that they've been making out everywhere, like all over LA, Honestly, in Miami, just smooching it up. I'm not mad about it. I feel like people like yourself would probably say Jen's better than that at this point in her life, but- I don't know. Whatever makes her happy. Go do your thing. Yeah, I agree. And I think that if they truly did break up because of media pressure and now they're at a different place in their lives and they can come together and they still have love for each other, go for it. YOLO. I felt like that relationship was for show more than it was love. Now, obviously, I don't know them, but it just felt too convenient for me the entire time. Like, oh, J-Lo and A-Rod, they're both kind of feeding off each other's fame, even though obviously J-Lo is way more famous than A-Rod. A-Rod probably made it was a bigger deal for A-Rod to be dating J-Lo than it was for J-Lo to be dating A-Rod, right? Yeah. Big so time. so I don't know. But it was still a good look for Jen, right, to be, hey, I'm, she's with A-Rod, right? A-Rod, everyone knows A-Rod is. And he's on TV, obviously famous baseball player. No one has done the 180 on their image like A-Rod. Everybody hated him like 10, 15 years ago. And now it's like, oh, A-Rod's back. He's the best. So shout out People to him. People are mad. People are mad at him. Well, because of the breakup? Did he cheat on her? But didn't she cheat on him? So who cares? Again, no, 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 no. Uh, are you sure about that? Uh, I mean, I can't confirm I'm not in her Mm. bedroom or her DMs, but from what I have read, he is texting Southern charm stars and all these influencers. She finds out it's devastated. Now she's back with Ben. I just kind of feel like they're probably both cheating on each other. Dude, would never. Come on. Oh, come on. What do you mean? She's too good to cheat on someone? I don't know. She's super hot. What do you want her to do? I don't know. I'm sure she gets bored of talking to A-Rod, you know? Who knows? Anyway, you say you're not team anyone. There's someone that I am, other than Harry Styles, standing for, as the kids say. And I just think she can do no wrong. And I thought this prior to her new push into the spotlight. But Kate Winslet, my God, she can act her ass off. Kate Winslet, if you have not seen Mayor of Easttown, first of all, what the hell have you been doing? Because it is the best thing to hit the television airwaves in years. And I just think that anything she's been in, she absolutely slays it. But this role in particular, 
was so hard to nail. She's a detective who deals with trauma in her life. And, and she's from a suburb of Philly. The accent she nailed, the rundown nature of her life and of her circumstances and of her environment she nailed. I just thought she could not have given any better of a performance than she did in Mayor of Easttown. And I know you watched it. And for those who haven't, I don't want to give too much away. It's one of those miniseries that there's a twist, there's, you know, there's a murder in there and it's a whodunit type deal until the very end of the final episode, you're still guessing. And a lot of those circumstances, you peg who it is and a lot of those miniseries, not this one. Let me tell you. I do want to talk about the end in just a second. So we'll give you a spoiler alert before. Okay. Uh, so we'll let everybody know. But I, just to talk about the Kate Winslet thing, she was so Delco in that, that you would have thought she was from you know, some random town in Pennsylvania. It was amazing how good she was. She had the accent nailed on point. It was unreal how good she was. And you would think I wouldn't like Kate Winslet because of how my feelings about that, about Titanic. I just think it's a trash movie, but I don't think it's a trash movie because of her. I just didn't like the movie. Kate Winslet is, I would say she's probably the best actress of our sort of generation of our upbringing. I mean, she's a little older now. I kind of feel like, I know Meryl Streep is older and I've been on my yeah. anti-Meryl Streep rant. I feel like Kate Winslet is who... Everyone thinks Meryl Streep is. Kate Winslet plays all these different roles. Yeah, she's done rom-com. She's done this big blockbuster with Titanic. Then she does this, which is totally, totally different. And it just shows how many different, uh, what her range is. I think she's the best actress of our generation. I don't know who else would even be in the running for that, but. I don't know. Nicole Kidman's in there for me. She's better than Kidman though. She's great. Kid Kidman's really good. There's a draw to Kate Winslet. Like, oh, Kate Winslet's in this. It must be really good. That I don't know if, if she has. Okay, I'm pulling up her IMDb here because I want to see everything that she's done. Because you're right. I mean, she just doesn't miss. Okay, here we go. She, Mayor of Easttown, obviously. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to find something that I have seen that's really good. I'm going to throw some names at you really quick. There's though. a lot of things in here that I did not see. So I don't know if it's good or not. I might actually, be a revolutionary road. She was great in that. Yep. Unbelievable. Again, that, the range. holiday. Hello. Best yep. rom-com of all time. That's she a, absolutely that's a much, killed it. She's good. It's a good movie. Oh, I don't know if it's the Steve, best of all Eternal time. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Amazing. Great. Oh, totally forgot. I hadn't seen, I mean, I haven't seen that in forever. Totally agree with you. A phenomenal movie. Can I throw some names at you though, for the actress thing that I just threw out there? Yes. Um, I just Google like best actresses of the 2000s. Uh, I don't, or should I say, how should I Google this? I'm trying to get a, a larger pool. But the people that came up were Amy Adams, Natalie right. Portman. But I, again, right. I would say, tell me if any of these are better than Kate Winslet. Uh, no, so far. Kate Blanchett, great, but no. Nicole Kidman, no. Jennifer Connelly. I put Kidman in there. Uh, Meryl Streep's in here. Julianne Moore, Rachel McAdams. I just don't think any of it. Reese Witherspoon is up there. But again, I just, I think Kate Winslet's the best actress of the last 20 years. Charlize Theron. Very good. I said that blindly and I feel very confident with it now. I don't know. Nicole Kidman has some range. She is really good. She is. But honestly, if we're judging, I want to tease this because I'm going to do it. I'm going to give you my top five uh, miniseries on HBO and the history of all their miniseries. Because by the way, that is the best thing going right now. The best thing in visual entertainment is the HBO female driven miniseries, period. It just is. Yep. Um, Big Little Eyes, The Undoing, Mayor of Easttown. Sharp objects. They're all phenomenal. They're just phenomenal. You know why, Steve? Because women get shit done. Okay. Uh, I don't know if it's that or the drama in those shows is amazing. 
So, so I have my top five. Do you want me to just do this now? Yeah, give it to me. All right. Because then we'll talk about the end of the show. We could do it at the end. So for everyone who hasn't seen the show yet, we could do, you know, a spoiler thing. You want me to go five to one or one to five? Of course, five to one. Okay. You okay. got to build up the Let drama. Me... We're talking about a drama series here. You got to build up the drama. Also, I love that unprompted, you just listed your top five women-driven miniseries. They're, I mean, because they're all, they're all in the last couple of years and they're all great. But all right, let yeah. me just, a couple honorable mentions because these might be a little shocking to you, but I have three honorable mentions. Uh, okay. Big Little Oz is in there. Didn't make my top five. Ooh. Uh, the Undoing did not make my top five. What? Uh, and Watchmen, which I don't think you've seen, but it's, it's very good and very different. Also female driven. Number five. This is, you're not going to like this, but Chernobyl. Chernobyl was phenomenal. Um, 9.4 on IMDb. It's a period piece. I get why people would think it was boring. For someone who's a history buff and loves shit like that, Chernobyl, I've just always been fascinated by this nuclear power plant meltdown in the middle of the Soviet bloc in the Cold War. Fascinating, fascinating historical drama by HBO. I think it's like five episodes too. So that's number five. Number four, Sharp Objects. Amy Adams is phenomenal in that show. And have you seen it? You have, right? No, I read the book though. Okay. Well, it takes place in rural Missouri. So it's it's got you written all over it. Come on. Excuse me. I am not rural Missouri. Well, yeah, but you know what that's about. You know that scene. And I think without actually knowing it, I think she nailed it. I mean, just the weirdness of that small town in Missouri, the vague racism and there's a murder yeah it's it's pretty obvious but in the show it's always kind of there it's just it's really good so sharp objects if you haven't seen it i think it's better than big little eyes and the undoing even though those shows are great number three the night of uh phenomenal but that's not female driven oh i didn't say it It doesn't have to be female driven oh okay it's just it's just miniseries just these are my top top five miniseries uh great show if you haven't seen it number two i put mayor of east town i think that is the best of all of the recent ones would you disagree of the undoing what's going to beat it uh, oh, Band of Brothers. It's probably my, ugh. it's definitely the best HBO miniseries of all time. It's 10 episodes, came out in, I think, 2000 or so. Incredible cast, incredible story. It's about war. Uh, so, you know, it's, you know, it's about history. You know, it's right up my alley. I think you actually like it if you watched it. And I think it holds up actually pretty well, shockingly. But um, I want to ask you this. I think Mayor of Easttown is the best of all those female-driven shows. Do you agree? Agree. I thought Big Little Lies was very good. And I think that's such a... You almost have to take that one and isolate it because it has so many dynamic stories happening at once and so many powerhouse performances by women. I mean, Renata, what's her name in real life? Laura Dern is Mm -hmm. so great in that series. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought Reese Witherspoon was awesome. Obviously, Nicole Kidman, Zoe Kravitz. You know, she to me is the female counterpart to Harry Styles. No one right now is cooler than Zoe Kravitz. I mean, she's a babe. But she's so cool, though, too, Steve. Like, she yes, is. she's, she's a babe. vaguely mysterious. Um, You're always like, what's her deal? Yeah, she and that makes of, her cooler and hotter. Looks, yes, and, like, she looks simultaneously like she hasn't showered in three months and also that she's so freshly groomed and yep. stylish. She looks like she doesn't have to shower. Yes, <laughs> yes. She, has, she just doesn't have a need to shower. She's bohemian but glam. She's just the coolest. I yeah. adore her. Everybody I thought was great in that series. So I don't even know if you can really compare those. Also, maybe we can because there were some great performances by other people in Mary Town. Mm-hmm. You know who's not getting enough love is Roy from The Office. Everyone's talking about Kate okay. Winslet. I thought Roy killed it. Don't know his name in real life, but Roy was great as totally. Frank. He's always the Roy. He'll He's never not be Roy. <laughs> he, I, it, I'm sorry. He just is. I've seen him in a million different things since then. He's almost always the bad guy. And can we do spoiler alert now? Because I, I do want to talk about some things. Okay. If you have not seen the ending of mayor of east town come back in three minutes because we don't want to ruin it for you yeah really quickly we'll just we'll bang this out three two okay you're all right we're in um 
obviously you thought it was him. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like Roy in another movie is going to be the shithead guy. What the hell? And then I'm happy. I'm kind of relieved for him that he didn't have to be the shit guy, shithead guy right. in, in another movie or show. But can I tell you, cause you told uh, Maddie and I, cause you watched it before us and you were like, I didn't know who it was until the very end of the show. So that was always in my mind. I'm like, who the heck could be like the weird character that it would be. So I'm watching the show knowing that it's too obvious to be the two brothers, right? It's too obvious to be the priest. It's too, there's too many obvious ones. You know who I thought it was the entire time? Who? Lore. Thought it was her the entire time. Who? Uh, Lori. Oh, the mom. The mom. Yep. I thought it was her the whole time. The mom. You know who I thought it was until halfway through was her partner. The one who, when they find the other girls. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I thought I it was him. Because she was going on a date with him. And you know who I thought it was at the end? At the very, very You're end. You're talking about Guy Pierce, the older guy, right? Her partner. The, oh, the, the police guy. Oh, oh, wow. The guy who got because he shot came in the head, from which is out, incredibly abrupt. I know. He came in yeah. from out of town. And nobody, he lived with his mom. I just thought that, that there could be something there. Oh. And then up until the very, very, very end, I thought it was going to be the author. The guy. Okay, that, that's why I thought you were talking about Guy yeah. Pierce. Yeah. Who? I was just waiting for that shoe to drop. And it was not, obviously not him. But I, I was shocked by who it was. I, I was, was trying to think of motive, right? Who yes. would want to kill this girl? And that's why I kept going back to Laura. Lori, Laura, I think they called her Laura, right? Um, who was, by the way, phenomenal. She was great in the show. Absolutely Amazing. great. So really up until the gun is in that thing and they show him taking it. I was like, holy shit, it's the freaking son. For a few episodes, I was like, I have this nailed. And I was so proud of myself. And then boom, I'm wrong. But that's why I try to tell you guys, because you don't ever think of him as having the motive, you know, and that's where I think the genesis of everyone's guesses come from. Who hated this girl? I thought for a long time it was the dad who did it. Um, Do you blame Mayor, by the way, for telling the truth instead of letting the dad take the fall for it? No, not at all, because her job is to justice, right? Her job is to solve the crime and to put the correct person behind bars. That is her job. She only answers to justice. And I think in a lot of different ways, you would have sliced it. She would have put someone away that she had a, a previous relationship with. Mm-hmm. So I think she had to do what was right. And knowing Mayor, she couldn't have lived with herself if she didn't do the right thing. But I will say this, when her friend was sitting in the, um, what's it called when they're doing the inquisition, you know, the, the interview room and oh, the interrogation the- interrogation yeah okay yeah yeah a lot of i words <laughs> we got there inquisition i don't know the spanish inquisition uh, what, <laughs> what? There you go. so bizarre interview what do we call it uh interrogation room interrogation right? room yeah. i forgot it again when her friend goes i lied to you and i would have taken this to my mm-hmm. grave to protect my son i felt that steve yeah, i don't even powerful. have kids and i was like i would have done the same thing Hell yeah, I would have lied. I would have thrown Billy right under the bus. (laughs) I don't blame any of the characters for really anything that they did. No. Uh, I mean, the dad's a shithead because he obviously, you know, cheated on, yeah, there's some incestual stuff going on there. That was a bummer. Um, Big time bummer. Phenomenal show. show. Phenomenal show. If you haven't seen it, well, I hope that you've seen it if you're listening to this podcast. (laughs) That's that's your bad, not our bad. (laughs) Okay, Steve, let's get to a review. It's been two weeks, so we definitely need a review. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, I keep sending you emails from the website of people still weighing in on your Dave Matthews takes. I don't know if you get those that I forward to you, but people still have thoughts on you not liking Dave. And I think it's ratcheted up because Dave, this is just summertime. Yeah. We're listening to Dave and they're vibing to Dave and they're like, you know what? Screw Saruti. Here are my thoughts. I was going to bring this up. 
I wasn't going to bring this up, but now that you brought Dave up, I feel like I have to. I made a, an analogy today because my friends were all soccer fans. We were talking about the game last night and there was like, why? I don't understand how could you watch that game and not love soccer? Because like, there were still people, you know, shitting on soccer being like, oh, it's a loser sport. Everyone's diving everywhere. It's boring. No one scores. And which was not at all what happened last night. And my yeah. friends are like, why well, don't I, I don't get it? The NFL is kind of a boring sport. And there's only what in, in the entire four quarters of the game. There's not that much action, really. It's like, it's baseball like 11 in a lot minutes of, of action. Yeah. And so we were talking about that. And I just said to them, I was like, football is the easiest sport to follow. And I was like, football is like DMB football. Everyone likes DMB. They don't really know why, like half the people who are watching the NFL, I don't know if they even know that much about the NFL. It's just an easy thing to play fantasy football. It's easy to bet. You know, your friends are watching. So I'll get in the NFL too. It's kind of like Dave Matthews band. That's so I made that analogy. I don't know if it's right, but I did that in my group chat today. And all my friends seem to think it was uh, an app comparison. Of course they did. They probably don't like Dave either. No, they're none of them are Dave fans. See, no, that's so true. I don't think I don't think they dislike Dave like I do, but they're not Dave fans. Whatever. By the sorry, way, Dave guy. Yeah, sorry to the many Dave guys in our website inbox. Sorry. Did I reveal to you who my driver was and who my no. team was for F one? No. Because I'm going to tell you who mine are, and I think that you're going to be the same. I think okay. once you watch the show, my guess is you'll be the same. And listen, I still have a couple episodes to go, but I am a Daniel Ricardo girl, and I am Team Ferrari. Oh, you may have texted me that. He's the Italian-Australian guy, right? Yes, we talked about this in the pod that That's I just right. followed him on Instagram. Yeah, 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 yeah. Looking. Great neck he on is. him, great neck. He looks like an F1 driver. Totally. He's you know? got a great personality too. You'll love him. He's, I'm very much Team Ricardo, but I'm Team Ferrari. Interesting. You know, you is that because your Italian roots? Yeah. Yeah. It's the ultimate Italian driving machine. And I, you got to support Ferrari. I think I read, is, did Ferrari have some issues recently? Did they have some car issues? I think they were having some problems, right? I think I saw this on Twitter. You know, I didn't really watch this past weekend, but I think there were some issues. I think in the qualifying, there were some issues with yeah. Ferrari. Yeah. Not great. All right. Well, okay. you know, you you do like an underdog and like a cool underdog. It's why you like Lester. So this is kind of on brand for you. But I think that if you watch, I could see you liking Ferrari and I could see you loving Daniel Ricciardo. I could see that like too. Me. Yeah, I would, I would probably agree. Okay, well, let's get to a review. This one says, I love you both, but dot, 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 five Always stars. A Always a but. I'm sure I would have a wonderful time hanging out with both of you, but never invite me to your barbecues. Oh, man. First of all, <laughs> mayo is the devil's condiment. It's trash garbage. It's Second- not. Who hurt you both and made you attend such horrible cookouts as children? Normally, you both kill it when it comes to food. Love you both, and the pot is phenomenal. Not liking oh. Memorial Day barbecue plate draft. Yeah, but that sucks. Give me something we should have picked that we didn't pick. What do you think we should have picked that we didn't pick? I get it. If you don't like mayo, then you're probably not going to like my choices. I happen to like mayo. Underrated. Mayo is the nickelback of condiments. I shouldn't say that. I like mayo more than I like Nickelback. I don't like Nickelback. Yeah, I, I mean, just think they get, I just think they get trashed unnecessarily a lot. That was really disrespectful to mayo. No. Yeah. I love mayo much more than I, I don't really even like Nickelback, but I just think they get trashed on for no reason. Anyway, what did we miss? I don't know what we missed. I saw some guy hit me up on Twitter and be like, how did you take hot dogs over brats? And I'm like, uh, all right. Yeah. I like a good brat too. I don't think they're that different. Yeah. I know they are different. Nobody, I, I understand them. One of them's like a sausage and it's totally different, but I don't know. I, I wanted to go something traditional. And I think hot dogs and hamburgers were the correct choice at one, two for the main part of the plate. Right. And then what other sides did we miss? I don't even know what we really missed out on. I got some heat for mac and cheese. People were really upset that we did not have mac and cheese. We gave that an honorable mention. And I think I we had both explained why we didn't put it on. Our, I mean, I wouldn't be mad if I had it. I just, it wasn't in my top five. I don't know. I know, but that's just the most heat that I got was for mac and cheese. But there's a difference between, and this is why it's a hard thing to do. There's a difference between 
doing a barbecue in your backyard, which is what we were doing versus like a real barbecue where we're doing brisket or pulled pork. And we've got all these lavish sides. You know, I, we weren't doing that. We were doing like a backyard barbecue with an amateur grill master, which would be me. And, you know, that's what we came up with. So I'm not mad at this person, but can you give us some other examples? What did we miss? That's what I want to hear. Leave another review or you can always shoot us an email, smallpod.com. All right, Steve. Well, I'm glad we're back on track. Hopefully we can make it two weeks in a row. I'm getting ready to go on a trip. So Lord knows what my my return will be like next week. I'm going... should I reveal where I'm going or should I wait until we tape and then tell you? Wait where? until we, yeah, wait until we tape. Okay. Definitely. I will tell Intrigue. you where once I return. Where in the world is Shelly? You know, do you have to do that? <laughs> do I get to do it in the same cadence of Carmen San Diego? Where in the no, world is Shelly? Just insert <laughs> Shelly. <laughs> Our voiceover guy, which is no one, but no yeah, Anthony be... from my station. He oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There you go. Where in the world is Shelly? Shelly, I love that. <laughs> so lame. Anyway, well, tune we in will next week. Hopefully, be back in action next week to reveal where Shelly went. Um, but until then, Steve, you USA, USA, we're back. Let's go. I believe that we will win. All right, that's enough. Good times. Watch more soccer. Thanks for listening to Small Talk. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the Podcast One app.